You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. And now they get five out of five. Yeah. Shepard across midfield, still on his feet. And down the sideline goes Sterling Shepard, a third Giants touchdown. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and usually with me is Mike the Cranky Fan. Cannot be here today, so it's just going to be me talking by myself, which might be weird. Thanks for tuning into the show. Anyway, um, as usual, you can always find the Cranky Fan on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. Um, he's just not feeling very well today, and he needs to rest so that we can both be at the game tomorrow, which is what we're going to talk about today. So the Giants have a very short turnaround. They're the Thursday night football game this week which is very tough going from on the road to <clears throat> back home for, well, I mean, at least they're just going back home and not going back out on the road. But it's a very short turnaround. A lot of players that got nicked up and banged up on Sunday often don't play on Thursday. Um, and that is sort of the case that we're going to see. But tomorrow night at 820 at MetLife Stadium, the Giants will host the division rival Philadelphia Eagles. And it's going to be shitty weather, which doesn't help anything. It doesn't help game planning, doesn't help me as a fan to watch, and it doesn't help injuries. So this is going to be a messy, uh, rough, rough game. So a couple things, a couple injuries to watch. Um, Giants, big news on that front. Finally going to see... Olivier Vernon, who was not on the injury report today, Wednesday, um, for the first time this season, had the high ankle sprain late in the preseason, which can sideline people for quite some time. I believe that they may have held him a little bit longer than... I, I mean, if they were in a playoff push and he sustained the high ankle sprain, I think he would have come back sooner, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But being that it was the beginning of the year, the year hadn't started yet, they felt it was better to get him right than it was to get him on the field. Um, but there was some bad news on the injury front. Uh, Evan Ingram is not going to. He's been ruled out again. Uh, we all felt like this was going to be too soon. Maybe next week um, or, you know, the the long rest week now that they're playing Thursday. They'll have all next week into Sunday. Plenty of time to rest after this game, so he will not be playing. But the biggest problems are the additions of Rhett Ellison, who is questionable with a foot injury. I imagine if he plays, it'll be very sparingly and mostly as a decoy or blocking tight end. And even worse is Aldrich Rosas, who showed up with a quad injury, did not practice earlier in the week. They've activated a backup kicker. Um, That's a tricky one. Um, Rosas has been money all year. Uh, He's made every kick he's needed to make. The only blemish was the kickoff that went out of bounds uh, Sunday. Um... But other than that, was everything you hope from a kicker, reliable and accurate. Um, Philadelphia has a number of people on their, um, in, on their injury report, uh, which is, I guess, good news for Giants fans. Um, the biggest are, you know, DJ Alexander, Nathan Jerry, uh, not Brandon Graham, but Corey Graham, the safety. Lodi Nata and Darren Sproles are all ruled out for the game. I think the biggest of those two is probably Darren Sproles and Holoti Nata. Um, you know, Nata 
has been such a force in the middle of the defensive line for I mean I don't feels like my whole lifetime he's been playing for so long. And Darren Sproles has been, you know, Darren Sproles for what feels like my whole lifetime. Um and neither of them will be playing Thursday. Uh additionally to that, Lane Johnson and Jason Peters, both the left and right tackle for the Eagles, are going to play, it seems like, but they have been on and off the injury report last couple weeks um so they're playing a little bit hurt a little bit hampered and that is going to be a weakness that the giants are going to have to exploit going forward so i guess some background on this game is philadelphia is coming into this at two and three you know the cranky fan and i have have said more so me than him that the eagles are just not the super bowl winners that everybody mainly in Philadelphia, thinks they are. Um, They had an incredible run last year. They played very well. They're, in my opinion, and I think in most people's opinion, the best team in the NFC East, but that is not saying a whole lot. We've said right from the get-go that the NFC East is a toss-up. There's some glaring weaknesses all over the place, and um, the Eagles just kind of clicked at the right time last year and managed to do the unthinkable with a backup quarterback, but they're not something that can't be figured out or defeated, and you know this isn't a Super Bowl hangover. This is a team that got over its problems last year. This year, they're not going to be able to get over them. You know, They're, they're just too exploitable. Um, the league has since figured it out. We've all seen the tape from the playoffs, and you know this isn't this isn't the the seventeen and one New England Patriots from two thousand seven. This is a much much different Super Bowl contender uh, last year and winner last year. So it's not too crazy from my perspective that the Eagles are coming to this at two and three. Uh, I think fans in Philadelphia they're ready to hang you know half the organization roster coaching staff, but. Um, this was a little bit to be expected. And oddly enough, the Giants are both one and a half games out of the NFC East for first place and also currently going to take the first pick in the draft. So it's such a toss-up in the East and also, you know, whatever, all four teams are bad. Um, that being said, um, there's a lot of keys to this game. Uh the biggest one I've sort of already mentioned is Lane Johnson. Uh, you know, Jason Peters, as I've mentioned, was is hurt. You know, they uh, they but they have been able to play without him because of the play of Vitae. Um and I think he's the more banged up of the two, Jason Peters over Lane Johnson. But the problem is that if Lane Johnson goes down, Jason Peters is already playing hampered. It's not even that he has to go down so much as the pressure has to be on Johnson. Uh, I think Jason Peters is already dealing with enough. Um, you know, if he starts to struggle, they may pull him for health reasons and put Vitae in. But Lane Johnson, they can't, they can't do that with both. And I think Lane Johnson is the more exploitable one just because he's not as big. Um, but I think a, a healthy rotation and combination of Connor Barwin, Lorenzo Carter, Kareem Martin – maybe even B.J. Hill, and with fresh legs, Olivier Vernon, even if it's just in spots, Vernon comes in there just to, you know, give a different kind of pass rush. Um, 
something that he hasn't seen before, Lane Johnson. It's just it can overwhelm somebody who's already dealing with an ankle injury. Um, and I think that uh, Carson Wentz, I think, is the most hit quarterback in the last three weeks or something like that. I, and I read some stat, but they've been just knocking the shit out of him the last couple of weeks. Admittedly, uh, Tennessee Titans have a very good defensive front, but you know Minnesota average, maybe slightly above average. So uh, definitely something the Giants can and should and need to exploit is um, the right tackle position. Beyond that, I think the biggest thing with Philadelphia that's been exploited throughout the league is their secondary stinks. Um, it's it's not good. They've been it never really was good. It wasn't good last year either. But uh, Tennessee was able to gash them down the field, uh, right down the middle of the field. And I'm not really sure what went wrong, other than I think there's just confusion and a lack of talent. Um, but unfortunately, what Tennessee is able to do to set up things like that is the run-pass option with somebody like Marcus Mariota, a very good running offensive line, and uh, you know a running back like Derrick Henry, who's just a hammer. When you have a hammer, it tends to bring linebackers closer to try and stop the run. It explains, you know, it, it, the 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 normal the run sets up the pass sort of offense, um, leaving that zone in the you know in the middle of the field wide open. The Giants don't have any of that. They don't have a run-pass option quarterback, you know, one that's a real threat to run, I guess I'll say. Um, they don't have a hammer because that's not what Barkley is and uh, it's not what Gallman is. Um, they don't have a very good run-blocking offensive line. So they're going to have to find a way around it if they want to exploit the middle of the field like I think they can. And, you know, the way to do that is you know things like jet sweeps um outside runs reverses something to run a little bit east and west spread out a defense but you know a, a commitment to the run short passing game quick passing game getting the linebackers to bite forward rather than step back um and a little bit of just slowing down the pass rush uh this Philadelphia team is probably the most talented um, defensive line in the division, I would say. Uh, and actually, I don't even think it's close. But when you have a rotation of um, guys like Derek Barnett, Michael Bennett, Haloti Nata, Fletcher Cox, even Trayvon Hester, Chris Long, Brandon Graham, and now Josh Sweat, although I don't know that he's doing much this year. But, I mean, that's the kind of rotation that they have. A guy like Josh Sweat doesn't even have to do anything this year. He can replace, you know, Michael Bennett if he leaves or Chris Long as these – Brandon Graham. These guys are a little bit older. He can step right – This it's sort of like a farm system or like a college recruiting program when LSU gets a running back, then they just have the next one come in, or Alabama. Um, and that's what they sort of set up there. And with a defensive mind, a, a 4-3 – it's heavy aggressive defense like Jim Schwartz's it's it's difficult to run an offense against it 
And, you know, this isn't news for me to say that the Giants are not very good at blocking. Um, in order to make this work, they're going to have to do what they did in Carolina, and that is, despite the running game not working, they need to continue to commit to it. The running game setting up the passing game doesn't necessarily have a whole lot to do with how well the running game is working so much as it has to do with them believing that you're going to run the ball. It's a mindset thing. It's it's a mental war, and it's just one of those things where bad things happen when the other team knows what you're going to do and when they only have a 50% chance to know what you're going to do. That's when you're a little bit safer throwing the ball. Um, that being said, I think that Sterling Shepard might be the guy to watch. Obviously, when you know that your secondary stinks and you're going up against a guy like Odell Beckham, you are going to do whatever it takes to not let Odell Beckham be the deciding factor in this game. Now, what the Giants have done is rather than... <laughs> rather than deal with their offensive line problems, is acquire as many weapons as possible. Unfortunately, Evan Ingram is out. Um, you know, that's one of those weapons. Brett Ellison is hurt, questionable for game time. But there still is the Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, Odell Beckham combination. Um, there's also the, you know, the less talked about, but just as important, Cody Latimer. Um, to take the top off of defense. But in this matchup, I think what it has to be is Sterling Shepard one-on-one versus Jalen Mills. Jalen Mills is an overly aggressive, not very good corner. And, you know, Shepard is a quick-twitch receiver where, you know, he can get out of tight spaces quickly. And, you know, guys like Jalen Mills are more likely to bite on fakes and things like that. And, you know, on top of that, Sterling Shepard just has a history of doing very well against the Eagles um, in general. I think both games last year, he well, I know for sure the second game he was like, they just didn't have an answer for Sterling Shepard. But um, I think when it comes down to for the Eagles is if you're going to eliminate Beckham from the game, aside from just trying to, you know, rush the passer is, you know, a combination of both Ronald Darby and and Malcolm Jenkins or some other safety or linebacker. It's going to take a combination of people to take him out of the game. That is just only going to leave somebody on an island, and I have to believe that they are going to have to roll with Jalen Mills on Sterling Shepard. So he's got to win that matchup, and I think he definitely has the skill set and talent to beat him in that matchup. Um, Another really important matchup to watch, and it's it's sort of a – gimmicky one but ultra grossus versus the weather um you know a kicker who is only in his second year admittedly has been perfect up, up until now but is also dealing with a quad injury and is kicking in the elements where there's you know definitely going to be rain 75 percent chance that there are thunderstorms 95 percent humidity Ugh, it's just not ideal and th- Thus far, the Giants have been able to rely on Rose's putting points up. Tomorrow, they're going to have to rely on their offense to put points on the board. You know, he's probably going to miss at least one field goal tomorrow, and it's not going to be his fault. It's going to be windy, 
shitty weather, muddy probably, um, not easy to kick in, and they cannot bank on a field goal winning this game for them. They're going to have to do more than that. That being said, Rosas is going to have to make the most of whatever time he has on the field, if he plays even. I mean, at this point, limited in practice of the quad injury on your kicker is not ideal. Um, but it's definitely something to watch. You know, obviously, like I said, you know, kicking, passing, punting, these things are not one team specific as advantages or disadvantages, I guess, unless one's more talented than the other. But in this case, just being hurt in this weather is is not going to help his case at all. Um, I kind of rattled through a lot of the keys of the game. You know, the secondary stinks. They're going to have to punish Lane Johnson. But I think the most important one and – you know, it's not necessarily specific to this game, but it's, I think it's especially key to this game is the Giants just have to stop making stupid fucking mistakes. Um, going into last week, the Giants were the least penalized team. I, I don't know if they still are or not, but um, it certainly hasn't been an issue all year. Um, but Sunday, a combination of muffed punts, dropped passes... Uh, stupid penalties arguing with officials offsides on fourth and eight in a punting situation um, and yeah close calls bad calls calls just not going their way that was the difference in that game I mean I know I said that I can't get mad over a game where you play to the point where the other team has to make a very long field goal to win and they just make it that's true at the same time, any one of those things I listed, if they didn't happen, Carolina doesn't even get that shot. So the team tomorrow in a very heated rivalry with a team full of punks with a shithead defensive coordinator and a ding-dong for a head coach, the team that is the most focused and has a clear mindset is going to be the time the team that wins tomorrow. You know, when it when it comes to these heated rivalries where, you know, I'm not particularly thrilled about going to the game. I don't like going to Philly games. I can't stand being surrounded by Eagles fans who literally drive up whatever, what is it, the turnpike? I, I don't know. I don't like being around them. Um, that's the kind of atmosphere that's in the whole building. It's on the field, the coaches, players. You know, I'm sure the officials are stuck in the middle of it. Um they need to be focused. You know, Sterling Shepard can't be trashing shit on the sideline. B.W. Webb can't be arguing with officials. Lorenzo Carter can't be, you know, in the face of the quarterback when he makes a sack or tackle. Um, all of that shit was on display on Sunday. Cannot happen tomorrow. That being said, I have liked what I've seen from the Giants' improvements week to week. What I saw Sunday versus what I saw week one, week two week three, week four, week five. Each week has been a little bit better since around week three. I know week one was bad, week two was worse, but we've seen some subtle improvements a little bit at a time, just what you'd expect when you have a whole group of new players on the offensive line, a whole new offense, a whole new defense, switching defensive schemes from 4-3 to 3-4, and a brand new head coach and a new GM. It's what you'd expect is that it takes time to get all the pieces just right to make the machine work. Um, 
and I think they're slowing getting the pieces in the right place at the same time getting healthier. Um, I think on the other end of the spectrum, and this is actually something I predicted a while ago, is that I think the Eagles are falling apart. I, I know part of me wants to think that, but what I predicted was I don't think the Eagles are as good as they think they are, as good as the fans think they are. I think that they have a very tough schedule, just like the Giants do. Not easy this year. And when they start to lose games, things start to fall apart. Whereas this team and this fan base is used to losing at this point. They're used to winning. And I think the biggest problem that they might have is a group of punk players and a defensive coordinator that's a hothead and a former head coach when their head coach... He's just a, he's a ding dong. He looks like kingpin. Um, I I just think that slowly this year there's going to be a division in the locker room where some punk players are start questioning the head coach and start siding with the defensive coordinator. Slowly lines get drawn in the locker room where you know people want Jim Schwartz to take over the team, and as this team starts to spiral a little bit, I think that starts to happen. And if the if the Eagles lose tomorrow, that might be the breaking point at this point. If they go two and four, I just I don't I don't know. It's it's a such a stormy atmosphere in Philadelphia at all times. So I like the Giants tomorrow for the one of the first times this year. I might actually be predicting this, but I actually think that the Giants score a bunch of touchdowns, mostly as they start to roll over as as Philly starts to roll over. Um, and I think the Giants win 27-17, somewhere in that area. Um, not a runaway, but just I think Philly starts making mistakes. I think the weather doesn't help them any, um, and I think that the Giants start to pull away a little bit at the end. Um, around the league, really quickly, I think that Jacksonville beats Dallas, um, I still think Jacksonville is very good. I don't think Dallas's home field is much of a home field advantage, and playing in a dome might actually help Jacksonville a little bit. That being said, I think it's a little bit closer. Um, Jacksonville's weaknesses are being displayed a little bit along the league. Um, Blake Bortles is just terrible. Um, and also, I think Carolina's weaknesses were really put on display last week. I'm not really sure why that game was as close as it was, but they don't really seem to have their shit together and I think they might be looking past Washington a little bit scrappy team and I think Washington actually wins that one fun fact um, not something I really thought about but I didn't even realize that there's a lot of Washington fans in the Carolina area Carolina is one of the newer franchises I think among the new west I don't know if the Titans are newer but um, you know a, a team that's only been around for like 30 years Prior to the Panthers, there was only the Redskins in that area. Uh, it's mostly college area anyway. So there's a decent amount of Washington fans in the Carolina area, a decent amount of Carolina fans in the Washington area. That actually might be um, an interesting matchup. Uh, but I think Washington wins that one over Carolina. That being said, um, I'm you know the Cranky fan is very sorry he couldn't be here this podcast i'm very sorry you just had to listen to me rant and rave for a little bit there um but 
Uh, I do appreciate you all listening, and be sure to download and subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, also at at JustGiantsPod, for all episodes um, and information on broadcast times, etc. Obviously, this week, on short week, we had to do a quicker podcast, so it's on Thursday instead of Friday. So congratulations to you guys. You get to listen one day earlier. Um, Always follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump. Again, my phone sucks, so I will not be live tweeting much during the game or else my phone will just die. Um, But I do tweet all day at work instead of working. Um, All right, everyone. Go Giants. See you Thursday.